Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bowes. In this episode, we're f- discussing two films from the 1950s about people trying to make it in the big city, both available now for streaming on the Criterion channel. First, Balraj Sahani becomes a rickshaw driver in Kolkata in order to raise the money to save his land from a greedy Thakur in Bimal Roy's award-winning 1953 socialist drama, Do Bigga Salmon. Then Raj Kapoor plays an honest and educated man who, against his better judgment, gets involved in a series of cons in 1955's record-breaking Shri 420, which was also directed by Raj Kapoor. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home of First Nations and Métis people. Matt! Yep. You and I are fans and collectors of something known as the Criterion Collection. Yeah. We have, how many do you think we have? 120, maybe? I'd have to look at my really? list. Really? Well, I include the Eclipse series as individuals in my Criterion list, so maybe like 100 even. Yeah. The Criterion Collection is a boutique label that puts out DVDs and Blu-rays of the best of world cinema. Quote, unquote. It is their sort of take on this like it's not like some sort of world cinema society gets together and thinks like okay we're gonna have like 10 french movies this year uh two japanese movies Mm -hmm. uh, a couple american movies and i don't know maybe one from india Uh, although it kind of feels that way sometimes although every year they do put out like this fun infographic that hints at all the films that they're going to put out (laughs) yeah it's a cartoon and you have to try and figure out what the drawings mean it's always fun to figure out that drawing Uh, so we've been collecting these these blu-rays and dvds for years they make up probably the bulk of our the of our physical film collection getting there yeah yeah and so they put out all the films from directors like Akira Kurosawa and Jean Renoir, Ingmar Bergman, kind of the big giants of world cinema. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they don't have a lot of films from India. There's a fair amount of criticism of this because yes, I'll get I'll I'll say one thing. I feel like sometimes they get their lunch eaten by other boutique labels yes and, so and kino should, lorber especially it seems like some things just switch between them yeah and we should say you know they are certainly not the only boutique label they're not the only boutique label that we collect though those numbers that they put on the spine i think how they are, get you. Oh, it's so enticing well, the design of the covers is so yeah. good but it's similar uh to masters of cinema in the uk i think they are connected actually yeah yeah, are they? Because Sun, Sunrise is on Masters of Cinema, but it's not a Criterion. It seems like when a new 4K gets struck, like yeah. they, they they make a deal with each other. Yeah, yeah. But Criterion is connected to Janus, though. Yeah, Janus. Janus. How you pronounce it. Yeah. But, like, they were kind of the only game in town for a while, at least yeah. doing well. But nowadays you have Arrow Academy. Mm-hmm. You have all of these labels that have sprung up to do old VHSs and like grindhousey type stuff. Mm-hmm. Kino Lorber, uh, like Criterion's not the only game in town in it right now. But if you listen to film Twitter, they might as well be <laughs> right. Yeah, and they're still certainly the most popular. And and again, like we, they're co- well regarded. We collect <clears throat> them, so we we understand why. There's uh, essays that come with the. Oh yeah, you love the essays. Yeah, I love to read the essays, and there's typically lots of good special 
uh, features, which I don't really watch that often, <laughs> but something it could be like a student film by the director. So on the Videodrome DVD, mm. I think it has... Crimes of Future? Crimes of the Future, yeah, like the first Cronenberg film. Yeah. So it's... It's really like just trying to make a really good presentation of a movie. Mm -hmm. And they have something called the Eclipse series, which is DVDs that are kind of more bare bones, but they get come in like packs of five. Mm -hmm. And they're also often new restorations of the films, which are often done in kind of collaboration with, with the Janus who releases them theatrically. So yeah, we're big fans of the collection. Recently, or I guess a couple of years ago, they launched the Criterion Channel, which is a streaming service. It was another thing called Filmstruck first. Yeah. And, and that was owned by Time Warner and then they spun it off. But yeah, Criterion eventually was able to put together their own streaming service, which must have been expensive. Yeah. And Filmstruck was done in collaboration with TCM. And so we yeah. never got it in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we've we never experienced Filmstruck. It seemed nice. <laughs> and, and one of the benefits of the Criterion channel of them spinning off and doing their own streaming services that we did get in Canada. So mm -hmm. we have the, the Criterion channel. It is not necessarily all the films that are in the collection. In fact, they curate a lot of different kinds of film packages for the channel. There's a lot of different things and stuff is always coming and going uh, and there's always kind of interesting themed packages. We were recently mm -hmm. checking out one on kind of new wave, or not new wave, but contemporary Korean cinema that yeah. we were quite enjoying. Uh, so we've long criticized Criterion for not 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 including a lot of Indian cinema. Well, Rai is basically yeah, they have a number the big one. And films. They have um, The Cloudcap Star, another mm -hmm. Bengali film, and they have Miranera's Monsoon Wedding. Mm -hmm. Not even any more Miranera movies. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 oh, I believe they're getting Mississippi Masala, though. That'd be good. Yeah, uh, which is a really hard film to track down, so I'm very excited. It would be great to see them put out Salon Bombay. And yeah, we, we are not criticizing them at all for putting up those films. But they have their editorial. It, they know what they want to do. but In general, that's it. They've also been criticized for not putting out a lot of films by black filmmakers. Wow, yeah, especially black filmmakers, yeah. Yeah, as you were saying, there's a... There was a big thing in the New York Times about it. Aaron will put a link, but it was basically like um, trying to nail down like, okay, so why is the Criterion Collection so white? And what does this mean for film appreciation as a whole when one of the arbiters of taste is mostly saying you know, French people, essentially, because mm -hmm. that's got to be the biggest part of their back catalog, French New Wave. And the, Japanese cinema. Japanese cinema, specifically Kurosawa. They have every Kurosawa. And, and Ozu. Yeah. And, like, they they go hard on Japanese cinema, which yeah. we appreciate because... I like, mean, that's probably most of what we own, actually. A is, big chunk of our collection of samurai yeah. films. If I didn't have this uh, uh, Bollywood <laughs> podcast, I would probably have a Japanese movie podcast, because yeah. that's some of my favorite stuff. I, so, so kind of all that aside, I have gotten the impression over the years, though, that Criterion is interested in Bollywood and is interested in Indian cinema. And so there have kind of been moments that have popped up, like once on Twitter, them saying that they'd love to get the rights to Sholay, and then we never kind of saw anything. Or recently, I know that they had said someone involved with the company. They said five things, like there's going to be a box set. Yeah, like someone involved. They also keep this very, like secretive yeah. like I only saw today what the August ones are going to be yeah and like they really play their cards close to the vest of what's going to be yeah so someone uh, involved in the company I know Manish Mather and I were talking about this I think he sent me the kind of heads up about it uh, said that there's going to be a Bollywood box set 
and we haven't seen that come to fruition. We don't know like what era of Bollywood it's going to be, though based on this, I think it's probably going to be pretty classic stuff. Well, if they said Bollywood, then it's got to be 70s. If it's Hindi cinema, then, you know, earlier possibly, but there's just rumors. We just have conjecture. We don't know. Yeah, and from what I understand, apparently, uh, and this is, again, me kind of remembering what was talked about at the time this is like six months ago i'm remembering yeah now, so. but apparently they like surveyed you know indian film critics and filmmakers and asked like what were the essential movies and they got back like not a lot of, like yeah. unless they got back yeah. didn't have a lot of overlap and because they there's that was a really bunch of different film cultures there <laughs> and everyone everyone is going to say something from their group as yeah. well so instead of doing a bollywood box set they would have to do seven box sets so i have noticed that the criterion channel does attempt to kind of fill in some of the gaps that the the collection has. And I, I also kind of wonder if maybe it's like testing waters for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they, they have put out on the channel more films from black filmmakers, more films from women, and now we have two collections focusing on classic Hindi language film directors, mm-hmm. specifically Raj Kapoor and Vilmore Roy. Uh, and this really excited us because these are films that... We have been wanting to see. We, we would like more people to engage with them. This is this is really putting these films on a platform where people who are not already familiar with Bollywood or already familiar with Indian cinema are going to be paying attention. It gets the stamp of approval. Exactly. It gets that criterion stamp of approval, and it they're now like accessible to people who you know might not know how to seek them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that really excited us. Who don't want to watch a Shimmer YouTube video, for instance? Yeah. Yeah. That really excited us, and, and we knew like, that the presentation quality was going to be there, and that the mm-hmm. subtitles were, were going to be good. And Although they were so small on uh, uh, Dobig Azaman. Yeah. They were, like, it was hard to actually pay attention. But they were maybe, cer- like, three inches long. That's certainly, I think, one of the big advantages of the Criterion Collection is, like, the, pr- the, the presentation, the quality yeah. is just so good. The subtitles are good. And so that's why, you know, when you're exploring world cinema, it tends to be one of the places to go to because you know you can trust mm-hmm. that the movie's going to look good and have English subtitles. So we wanted to to take the time to just kind of discuss uh, these two collections. Uh, I don't know how long they are up for. I tried to look on the site today and I couldn't tell how long they were up for. No, it's not like a movie where it tells you how long. Yeah, it does tell you when they're disappearing, though. So you can mm-hmm. kind of click on... Uh, like a, Leaving when soon. When you're on your interface, you can click on Leaving Soon. So uh, maybe there's a spot on the interface or on the website, and I just couldn't tell. We don't have the Criterion channel, typically. We only bought it for uh, these past few months to watch some things and do this episode. Yeah. It is expensive. Yeah. Um, and we have so many other streaming services for the podcast that... This was just kind of an occasional indulgence. Yeah, yeah. You and I will sign up for a month or two, watch the things we want to watch, and then leave it. And that's partly because we have a collection of, of physical films that we haven't even finished watching. I'm 80% through them. I'm, yeah. I'm doing a lot of work on those. Yeah. But I was really excited about the new King Who that was... Or the newly streaming King Who. Which it was is, a streaming debut, I think. Which is part of why we, we why we got the Criterion Collection. So, so these two collections are on Bimal Roy and Raj Kapoor. There are five films from Bimal Roy and three from Raj Kapoor. And we thought kind of the best way to cover this, considering kind of 
the scope of our podcast and what we have the time for at the moment. These are long movies, folks. Uh, is, well, we picked two of the shorter ones. Mm-hmm. But is to watch uh, one, one film from each collection. Uh, that's not to say that these are the only two that we are interested in watching, mm-hmm. but we just thought that that was kind of the easiest way to approach it. Now, we're not going to be going into too much background on either filmmaker. Uh, we have discussed one of the films uh, in the Vilma Roy collection before, uh, Mad Humati. So there's a, a noir episode on, on that film. And I think we want to do a full episode on his Devdas at some point. Yes, we do want to dive deeper. That's a big deal. Deeper, deeper into Vilma Roy's filmography uh, at some point. Uh, so this is the second film from his we'll be discussing. And at some point, we would like to de- dedicate an episode to him. Uh, we have done an episode previously on Raj Kapoor, where we watched Og and Maranam Joker with uh, Beth from Beth Loves Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll... She was mad at me, as I recall, for making us all watch Maranam Joker. Yeah, whenever I let you <laughs> pick films for guests, it's always a bit of a disaster. Hey, um, it's fine. Don't so we'll it. leave links to both of those in, in the show notes. Um, but we're primarily going to be focusing just on the films themselves here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you have... They're pretty good. Any, I liked them. <laughs> do you have anything to add about the Criterion Channel or the Criterion Collection or just kind of the North American interest in Indian film I mean, this <laughs> in is a general? Good, this is a good sign. Yeah. Once Criterion puts its stamp on something, it kind of gets known for being higher class than you might think. Mm-hmm. So... Early on in the Criterion Collection, they did Robocop <laughs> and The Killer and Hard Boiled. Yeah. And this is in like the 80s, so roughly contemporary. And, you know, these probably had a bit of a resurgence because of it. Because, you know, you were, it was harder to watch movies again back then. So having a boutique label put out a laser disc and saying, like, this is some of the best cinema has to offer probably boosted the profiles of Verhoeven. And John Woo, mm-hmm. and also Michael Bay, because uh, Armageddon and uh, The Rock, I think, are both yeah. in the Criterion Collection. And I think definitely Michael Bay's had kind of a critical resurgence lately. Pain and gain, man. Yeah. Pain and gain. So like, it it is kind of a big deal that Criterion is seeking out Indian cinema because it it could be kind of a deal breaker, a game changer. I do want to add that you know I I don't think. Bollywood or Indian cinema needs a stamp of approval from... No. uh, It's doing fine on its own. Yeah, from Criterion in order... You know, it it doesn't need, quote-unquote, like the Western stamp of approval in order to be legitimized and taken seriously. We don't... That's what we're here for. (laughs) No. We We don't feel that way. We already, you know, are interested in the Hindi... in the Hindi language film industry and in the history of the Hindi language film industry. But... We have had a lot of challenges in our ongoing study of Bollywood, especially uh, with stuff, a lot yeah. of the classic films. Getting them to restore these things for us yeah. would be great. You know, we can often find literature about them, but that doesn't always mean we can find the films themselves. I, I'm and, thinking about the Raj Kapoor uh, studio fire, right? Like, yeah. they probably lost some stuff there, and like it seems like a lot of these movies were just mistreated, so... Criterion's the ones who are able to restore them to about as good as they could possibly mm-hmm. be, assuming they could find the, the the files. And I think you and I also feel that we would like to see a larger 
awareness and appreciation for Indian cinema as a whole mm-hmm. in global film culture. Where's the money rat and box it? Like, I would like to see, you know, again, we are, we're in Canada, and so we, we have a certain Western perspective. Uh, but, you know, as far as kind of the way that world cinema is understood in the West, we'd like to see Indian cinema be a, just more accessible and be more of interest. I mean, it's... Beyond Satyajit Ray, who is fantastic. Yeah. He's an excellent filmmaker. I, he's know, just not the only one. He's not the only one. And I that's wonder not if, the only mode of filmmaking. I wonder if at a certain point, kind of Americans decided that Hindi cinema especially, but Indian cinema in general, was their biggest competition for worldwide hegemony. Now I think China is probably the biggest competition for box office dollars. I mean, this whole year screwed. Who knows? Yeah. But like... But last I wonder, year it was a Chinese film that was number one at the global. Yeah, and right, office. and uh, you know Japanese movies kick kicking ass right now too. But like, I wonder if there was just maybe a conscious decision to let's sideline Indian movies because we don't want to have people become aware of how popular they are. Also, the connection with Soviet Russia too, like they were so big there. And I wonder if maybe, you know. Possibly there was a, a top-level thing. I'm thinking specifically of how the CIA funded um, experimental painters in the 50s as a way to combat communism. And maybe there was just some sort of uh, writ putting down, like, hey, just don't review these movies. Yeah, I think that's an analysis beyond the scope of what I... You don't think the CIA should... Con- you don't, I, <laughs> you don't want to talk about the right CIA now. at all today? Um, but... Indian cinema used to be uh, a bit more prominent. At... This is from then. This is the this is the period where they had the biggest yeah. awards success in yeah. the West. A bit more prominent um, at global film festivals and also in art houses. Uh, and based on kind of what I recall from when we were talking about cons, uh, that's I I remember that kind of starting to peter off kind of in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of these films, though, I will say, were released in um, the USSR and, and did well there um, I mean, as well. When you know, when you read what the plot descriptions are, it shouldn't be a huge <laughs> surprise. As well as, as China. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think Indian cinema has always had a global reach, but why the West stopped paying attention, I'm it's not It's because of the CIA. <laughs> yeah. If I if if this podcast gets canceled and a new co-host is installed for Aaron to be with, you'll know it was the spooks that took me out. So all of that is to say is that we're hoping to see more uh, Indian content uh, from Criterion, uh, but 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 by no means is the Criterion stamp of approval. By no means does Bollywood or it's Hindi language cinema need be it. all end all. You don't need it. Yeah, but also. It was the CIA. It's it's just we just appreciate that Criterion is making these films more accessible, and I think we also would just really like to be able to buy some really pretty Blu-rays. Yeah, that's all we want. <laughs> we just like just selfishly, let, we just let us buy products. <laughs> we want a really pretty Blu-ray of Cholet. We want the thirty percent off too. <laughs> uh, okay. And we want review copies. Criterion, if you're listening, and you want good reviews of your Bollywood collection whenever it comes out. Yeah, up. and again, like when Criterion releases something, it does kind of cause like 
the the cinephile community, critics, film Twitter, yeah. what have you, film historians, to kind of like take notice. There's whole so, podcasts that dissect like yeah. the Criterion Collection and what does this mean for entering the collection and oh yeah. what are, what sort of things are they opening up and this is deeply linked to American film Twitter. Yeah, it's kind deeply, of yeah. yeah. So I, I just think, think it's really important to articulate that by no means does. Indian cinema need, you know, the Western white approval. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. No. It, they're just good movies. And if the CIA kills me for saying this, <laughs> I'm not afraid of them. Okay, I don't know where that came from, but we're going to move into discussing the films themselves. Uh, so first up, we're going to be discussing Bill Roy's Do Big Examen. Uh, I'd actually seen this film before. Yeah, you watched it in school, right? Yeah, this is one of the three Bollywood films that... I saw in university. It's a Hindi film. It's not really Bollywood yet in the 50s, I would say. Not really Bollywood yet. That's fair. Yeah. And we've discussed the other two that I watched. So I also saw Dilse and Mother India. Now, I didn't... completed the trio. I didn't see this in a film studies class, though. What did you watch in? Comparative literature? Yes. Proletarian literature. (laughs) Yeah, well, I get that. That makes sense. We discussed two films in my 400-level comparative literature, proletarian literature course. Uh, this one and uh, Paps the Three Penny Opera, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. also very good. Uh, I actually did a whole lecture presentation on the Three Penny Opera for that class. I got an A. Yeah, the Black Freighter came and brought you an A. <laughs> Thanks, Black Freighter. Uh, so I'd seen this one before, and actually, I used to have a copy, and it has disappeared between our moving apartments. Uh, it's disappeared. So I was excited that this was one of the. One of the films that they chose for. I mean, it's a super fun series. movie, right? Like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a real pick me up. Uh, the the other films available in this kind of five film streaming collection are Dev Das, Madhumadi, Sujata, and and Bandini. So Dobiga Zaman means two bigas of land. A biga is a unit of measurement, but it is, from what I understand, not standardized from state to state in India. Uh, though I do that would make things very complicated. <laughs> it do... didn't seem like a lot of land that he had. <laughs> I do often see this translated as two acres, acres of yeah. land. Yeah, acres would be. That's what I I'd seen two acres. Yeah, I think Letterbox calls it that. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I know about two acres. That's that's about my how yeah. big my parents' I think, uh, I think, place is. I think it was released under like the Cruel City or some title like that. that yeah, that makes sense. Makes it sound really <laughs> neo-realist. Yeah, uh, came, which this is. Yeah, came out in 1953, directed by Bimal Roy, as we said. It stars Balraj Sahani, Nirupa Roy, Ratan Kumar, Murad, Jagdeep, and Meena Kumari. In a bit of a, it's a bit of a cameo for Meena Kumari. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based on the short story Rickshawala by Salil Chowdhury, and in agreeing to let Bill Mulroy use this story, uh, he said he wanted to score the film, that he wanted to compose the music for the film. So huh. he's also the composer. It's quite the renaissance man. Yeah. The title comes from Rabindranath Tagore's Dewey Biga Jomi. And it was inspired by Italian re- neorealism. No way. Uh, really? Films like Vittorio De Sica's Bicycle Thieves, uh, which was first screened uh, in India at the International or. Maybe that wasn't the first screening, but it was screened at the first international film festival in Mumbai in 1952. And from what I understand, that, I mean, that was, I think, a huge inspiration for many filmmakers, not just Roy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see Bicycle Thieves cited as uh, an influence from so many Indian filmmakers. Um, Filmmakers all over the world. Like that, 
the the influence of Italian neorealism is like way bigger than I think we give it credit for. Because mm-hmm. you get sort of that socialist realism stuff in mm-hmm. uh, uh, Latin America. And it hasn't gone away. Like even Enrique Kashyap cites yeah. Bicycle Thieves or as the Darden brothers, right? Like that's, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. So I think this and also Renoir going to India to make the river because Rye meets Renoir at that. Yeah, yeah. are kind of. Yeah, so the screening of Bicycle Thieves and Renoir going to India to make the river are kind of, I think, two kind of big moments that really kind of launched the parallel cinema movement or inspired yeah, like, the parallel cinema movement. It's like movement. the Velvet Underground's first album, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this film is certainly considered kind of within that emerging parallel cinema trend that, mm-hmm. that, that starts in the 50s, though it does combine elements of popular cinema has song mm-hmm. and dance sequences. Uh, it was awarded the All India Certificate of Merit at the first National Film Awards and it won the first Filmfare Award for Best Film. Oh, good job. Yeah. <laughs> and it won an international prize at Cannes. Uh, did not walk away with the Grand Prix, which was what the Palme d'Or was called at the time. That went to the Japanese film, Gate of Hell. Which is in the Criterion Collection. Which is in the Criterion Collection. And we have. It's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. I think this movie might actually be better, though. It's been a long time since I watched Gate of Hell. Yeah. I've also watched so many samurai movies that they kind of blur together. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't entirely understand what this international prize was. When I looked it up, like, a number of films had won this international prize. Maybe it's Uncertain Taylor Guard, kind of? Yeah. No. I think it's more, like, the, the runner-up mm. awards. Um, because, again, all the awards had different names back then. Mm. And this was only, like, the seventh Cannes Film Festival. Uh, okay, so with all of that, I'm going to stop talking. Matt, you're going to describe the plot. Okay. So, Abalraj Sahani's character, Shambhu, uh, has the titular two biggest of land. And at the beginning of the movie, him and his wife are very excited because it's raining and there's been a big drought there. They have a son who's very precocious. Um, so, it's it's a happy little farm family. Uh, but wouldn't you know it, the local Zamindar is thinking of bulldozing essentially this whole plot that all of these small uh, tenants live on and putting up a mill and essentially starting to industrialize his holdings. And which makes me think this is probably around the same time as uh, Lutera. So kind of like mm. that, that fall of the Zamindars period where they're sort of selling off their uh, wares and trying to become rich by owning businesses and things and art pieces instead of just being landholders because the land's going to get taken away. So that kind of tracks with around that time period. And Lutera was also in the 50s, so around then. Mm-hmm. Just after uh, after independence, right? Kind of the next decade. Uh, so uh, Shambhu uh, kind of foolishly goes to the Zamindar and... Gets told, okay, you need to make, what is it, 250 rupees, I think? Well, he has to pay off his debt. Yeah, because he's had to borrow to get seeds. He's had to borrow to get fertilizer. Rice. Rice for his family. So he's deep in hawk on top of his land, essentially being mortgaged to the Zamindar. But he doesn't understand how much money he owes. Yeah, because he can't he can't do math. So. And I think these guys are kind of ripping him off too. They've 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 cheated him over the years into putting his thumb down on things, and he didn't even know what he was doing. Exactly, and I I don't like he doesn't necessarily understand interest. So when he tells his son kind of everything that he owes, comes up with a number. I think it's like fifty or so. 
But then when he goes to the Thakur, he discovers it's like 250. So he needs to make 250 rupees. Uh, they go to court. Yeah, he actually gets sued over this. He needs to make 250 rupees within a certain time Three period. Three months, I think. Yeah, in yeah. order to save save the land. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, he goes to Calcutta exactly. after a guy tells him that the money just flies through the wind there. And uh, in a scene very similar to what happens in Street 420, mm-hmm. you get this guy who's essentially just fallen off the back of a turnip truck who goes around trying to figure out... Okay, and his son follows him. His son, his son, his son sneaks yeah. on the train with him and he uh, doesn't send his son back because essentially it was either go or stay there and starve. Like, yeah. this is their only shot. And that kind of father-son dynamic throughout the, the film feels thing. very bicycle thieves. Yeah. So Shambu looks around for work. Uh, he gets in trouble with cops. He gets harassed by people. Uh, he gets fooled by people. Uh, he eventually is able to find kind of a kindly older woman who runs a sort of halfway house, I guess, where he can get by for six annas a day. Mm-hmm. Also very similar to Shri 420. The same thing happens, basically, except they're sleeping on the ground. Uh, and he uh, helps out this guy who's sick in the room next door, who turns out to be a rickshaw guy. And the rickshawwala teaches him how to be a rickshawwala, and then they kind of share the rickshaw. And yeah, he works his ass off in the city. Uh, meanwhile, back at home, his wife, who has not worked, mm-hmm. one of the things I found sort of strange about this whole thing is that he tells her like, "You don't have to work." You know, no She's one, pregnant. no one in our family has ever worked, but you know, Mother India worked. So she's pregnant. She's pregnant, uh, but uh, she's kind of stuck back in the village, waiting with her. I think it's his father. Yeah, her father-in-law. Yeah, and he's he's pretty sickly as well. So they're just waiting for Shamba to send money. Uh, his son becomes a uh, shoeshine boy, and they have a variety of ups and downs in the city, uh, but eventually some really bad stuff happens, and the wife comes to town to find out what's going on, comes to Calcutta, and uh, yeah, some tragedy occurs. Yeah, it's. I mean, again, we said it was inspired by Italian neorealism. This is not the happiest of films. It seemed like it was mostly, apart from some uh, location farm shooting. scenes. No, I thought it was stage bound for sure. Oh, from what I understand, Roy, like that was one of the things that really inspired oh, him okay, about Bicycle Thieves was the location shooting. Okay, so, so if it was if it was live, because there's some sort of they, they see the Howrah Bridge and stuff, but. Okay, yeah, I, I thought it was the, kind of stagey, but all the uh, rickshaw scenes, I think. Okay, on that's the good. Street, yeah, Shri four twenty, very much stage bound, but yeah, uh, no, this feels kind of more in it. Yeah, real new realist. Yeah, more kind of in okay. city on the street level, I think. I don't think I got that so much, but uh, I was kind of just looking for staginess, I guess. I don't know, mm. but I'm happy if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this film is nicely restored, but it's it's not the best restoration. And yeah. when I saw it in in university, I think it was a far worse copy. There's uh, only so much Criterion can do. There is only so much that they can do. Um, but for the most part, it looks really great. Yeah. Uh, I I really like this film. Uh, I I mean, these movies always kind of tend to feel a bit like eating your vegetables. It's propaganda. Uh, I guess we can talk about that. Um, no, I meant more that like they are serious films about serious things that you know are not always full of jokes, for example. Mm-hmm. But 
I actually, I think when done... Jagdeep, the Shushan kid's kind of He's funny. so great. I like that guy. Uh, I think when done really well, this kind of, you know, this kind of realism, while on the surface, I think it sounds really kind of depressing Modeling. and boring. Like, why would you want to watch that? Uh, but in, when you, I think when you sit down and watch it, it's actually a very lively film. And you yeah. really, really grow to care about this family and about what they're going through. And I will say, like, I don't... It has kind of a bittersweet ending, so I didn't come away from it, like, completely despondent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, I think that that relationship between between Jambu and his son is is so strong. The son is... The son and the rest of He's the shoe shiners pie, yeah. are so well done. Like, that it really... I don't know. I, I, I really am moved by this film. Mm-hmm. Propaganda, though, you say? Yeah. I mean, India was a socialist country. Yeah. At this point in time. I don't think and this, this is movie getting is based... as, like, propagandist, propagandistic. I don't propagandistic? Think, yeah. I don't think it's as propagandistic as, like, Mother India. It it is not so much like India is the best rah 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 and all of our yeah. sacrifices. It doesn't are worth have it. that kind of nationalism sentiment. But this is saying that you know the zamindars will screw you over, and that collective land ownership would be the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Like it's less obvious, mm-hmm. but it is very much about how capitalism has failed these people. I don't think it's a coincidence that... It's certainly socialist. Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Shambu goes to the uh, Zamindar's house for the first time, his grandfather clock plays the... Oh, yeah. The Big Ben sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the English left and then these guys are still around. I mean, you got to serve somebody. There's always going to be a master out there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's... It's very much sort of saying, this is wrong. A better world is possible. I, I don't disagree with that. I certainly think that, you know, the film has... A it point. doesn't really provide an alternative, is the thing. Well, I, I just, I certainly think the film has a political angle, as did Italian neorealism. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say propaganda. I think it's, I think it's more humanist than propaganda, personally. Sure. Um, and I, I don't really think it's shot like a propaganda film no it's well it's not that sort of heroic mother india again yeah or sort of Riefenstahl. like yeah yeah no i think this is it's very much it's political filmmaking you're right it's not so much it is trying to convince you of something yeah and, uh, but to be, I, I think that this aligns with what the government would have wanted at the time to be clear all filmmaking is political and propagandistic in some ways. <laughs> in some ways, every every piece of film has an ideology. I always find it bizarre when people expect the film industry or movies or art to be divorced from ideology. That's How come the American impossible? Army comes off so good in all these Marvel movies? Well, yeah, it's, maybe they got a little bit of help in the budgetary department, huh? It, it's impossible, but I'm sure as people you know who listen to our show have have figured out over the years, you and I are pretty left leaning, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so you know I think I think we have it's a right up our alley. Yeah, I think we have a strong appreciation for for these kinds of themes. Uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 really well done, and I think like there's I don't I don't want to ruin too much. Although I mean it is a film from 1953, but 
I. It's almost 70 years old. Yeah, and it's highly acclaimed. I, I would hope that, that people have seen it. Um, but I had kind of, it's been like over 10 years since I saw this film the first time. And I had kind of forgotten about what ends up being kind of the central uh, tragedy. <laughs> kind of. I was the, expecting that, something completely different. That kicks actually. off the third act. Oh, they, no, I was like the thing right before the end. I was surprised. I, oh, I totally okay. thought that some other sort of catastrophe was going to happen. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that, but I had kind of forgot the... the okay, the, you know what? You want to talk about not being propagandistic. There was literally a time when a rich guy gets in his in his uh, rickshaw and gets him to chase another rickshaw and treats him like, like he's a horse, basically. Well, okay, that was the scene I was referring to. Yeah, like, um, that is very much saying, like, rich people are assholes and the common man, you know, you're, you're being run like a dog just for six bucks. And I will say that that scene feels... Very Soviet montage. Yes. Um, it, it's so incredibly effective. So I'd kind of forgot the way that that scene plays out because it had been 10 years since I saw it. Uh, and I just like, I was on the edge of my seat. Like I yeah. really, and I, I mean, I kind of. I thought someone was going to die. My memory came back. I knew what happened. But it's so well shot and mm-hmm. it's so well edited. And a car chase is twice as exciting when a man is the car. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's just like, I mean, to watch this, exactly, a, a car chase, a rickshaw race in a film from 1953 where you are just as on the edge of your seat as I feel like I am in many Fast and the Furious films. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Fast and the Furious <laughs> Zero, uh, Two Legs, Two Furious. I, yeah, it's 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 so well done. Were there, was there a moment that, that stuck out to you or do you want to talk about... I mean, of, I don't want to spoil the ending, but like some of that stuff by the end is pretty... Well, I thought he was going to die in that. Oh, okay. okay. I, it, well, it was not... So, I'm, I'm spoiling a 70-year-old movie, but he does not die after this sort of uh, rickshaw chase. But oh, I thought you might some be... Some more ref- bad stuff happens after. I thought you might be referring to what happens uh, with with his wife when she comes to town, which starts to yeah. feel very D.W. Griffith. Yeah. yeah. And, yes, yeah, the, there's kind of a guy who traps her. And also... Yeah, these these are, you know, pure, innocent village people who come to the city and are immediately hoodwinked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city is evil. I think both movies basically imply that, right? But it also feels, to me, like it is in step with the Indian film tradition, with things that we see in Indian cinema. And I'm talking here specifically about the songs. This kind of melding of, you know, these kind of socialist humanist storyline that we that we see in things like neorealism with the musical aspect and to me that's kind of where i think roy is 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 really kind of pulling it all together and we talk a bit about how you know like parallel cinema and mainstream cinema were on these two tracks for such a long time that they were parallel to one another and never touching but more recently they have been crossing over and we've been getting more kind of uh, indie films uh, with song and dance numbers giving rise to this kind of like Mindy idea, this middle cinema idea. But those films still tend to be kind of really focused on people who are well off (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not necessarily uh, the lower classes. So yeah, I'm just curious how you feel about like this kind of melding of, of tones. Well, the... There wasn't a ton of dancing. I can think of maybe two sequences. 
and there. I mean, but there's song and dance. There's songs, yeah. yeah but I think they're really there's kind of that rain song at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then one that they sing in the kind of compound. And Mina Kumari's number. But they're integrated into the plot really well. Yeah. I'll say that about Shri 422. They're not really, oh, let's stop the movie and have a 15-minute mm-hmm. song sequence like you get in a lot of modern movies. Like, it, it seems to flow really naturally. But also... I think that's part of why it works. I mean, Mother India did the same thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like this film. Uh, I think it's well worth catching up with if you haven't seen it or giving it another look if you haven't seen it in a while. Like I mean, it's yourself. exciting. It's not like a, it's not like a propaganda movie in that it's super boring and trying to hit you over the head <laughs> like Triumph of the Will or something. Like it, it is compelling in its message and it's trying to entertain you as well as educate you. And I think it's really empathetic. Yeah. You know, I think, again, like you really care about this family and when his wife comes to the city and she's getting like trapped by this... <sighs> <laughs> By this predator. Well, it's just like, like hey, oh, my, my husband now lives that way. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm his best friend. I know all about your husband. Like, oh, come on. Well, and I guess, like, as someone who watches, uh, you know, like, labor cinema, I'm just like, and, 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 and you know, realism, things, you know, from, like, the Darden brothers and, and, and Mike Lee and, and uh, Ken Loach. I'm just like, how, how far are they going to go with this? Mm-hmm. I will say thankfully and maybe that's why i find the end kind of bittersweet because there are moments in the film when you know it could get so much worse yeah yeah but it's also the 50s they're not going to show yeah what you're imagining but the fact that you're imagining it is probably why it's in there it's just kind of yeah you know how bad this could be yeah all right anything else on that fun (laughs) to add about nope we'll go to interval so the interval song is one of many bops from Shri 420. It was hard to pick one. But uh, Ramaya Vastavaya from uh, Shri 420. Shri 420, I'll say it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. So there we go. Ramaya Vastavaya, Ramaya Vastavaya, Ramaya Vastavaya, Ramaya Vastavaya. This episode of Bollywooders for Lovers is brought to you by Natural Light Edmonton. Over the last year, staying home has become our new way of life. We've all been doing our part to help keep others safe. Still, it's hard not to miss those special moments of adventure that turn your average day into an extraordinary one. But what if we told you that these moments could still happen, all while you're safe in your own backyard? Natural Light Edmonton provides custom-designed, luxury sunrooms, balcony enclosures, decks, patio covers, and gemstone lights. With their help, you can turn your outdoor space into a place for play, for excitement, for adventure. A place where you can truly live in the moment and plan for more moments to come. Learn more about Natural Light Edmonton and discover outdoor comfort at my-natural-light.com. That's my-natural-light.com. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Your Forest. Your Forest is a podcast about the natural world. 
hear stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all wild things. Find Your Forest wherever you get your podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's yourforestpodcast.com. So that was Ramaya Vastavaya from Shri 420. Uh, so, it's directed by Raj Kapoor, came out in 55. Features Raj Kapoor we, we as himself. We first want to say the other films available. Oh, sure. <laughs> so the other ones are uh, Awara and Sangam. And let's be honest, folks. We picked this one because it's the shortest. <laughs> it's three hours long, whereas Sangam is about four and Awara is about three and a half. Uh Yes, I mean, certainly that was a factor, but also... Once Maranam Joker to twice burned. <laughs> there was also overlap in theme and plots between these two films. Yeah. And, you know, I just thought it looked good. And mm-hmm. you know what? I thought this is kind of a masterpiece, really. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. Uh, so, this movie features Raj Kapoor, Nargis, Nadira, and Nemo. They all first names it's easy uh and uh so the 420 question refers to the section of the indian penal code not weed but this is the punishment for cheating and being a con man yeah matt said we should have done this film for 420 and i was like that everyone would have assumed it was like a cannabis episode or something I don't yeah know. i thought that would have been a funny joke and people would have liked it <laughs> fair enough uh, so this features Raj Kapoor's version of the little tramp type guy, which you get a little bit in Marinam Joker, but you get a lot here. And yeah. as I understand, he's big in Awara as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Charlie Chaplin, I feel like, do I need to explain Charlie Chaplin? I feel like everyone. I think people are familiar with Charlie Chaplin. Familiar with Charlie Chaplin. A, and this uh, is not like a straight one-to-one, like he's not ripping no, him off. No. He's, he has some mannerisms that are similar and... A little bit of his outfit, but I would say that Raju is kind of his own guy. Yeah, but the the little tramp character is a character that Chaplin played across many of his films. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite's probably hmm, I think I like the Gold Rush the best, maybe of the tramp movies. Yeah, uh, I don't does think Modern the, Times count as the little tramp? I think tramp? Modern Times counts. I'd yeah. Probably pick that one. But the Great Dictator doesn't. That's what I was gonna say. The Great yeah. Dictator. doesn't He talks count. all the time in The Great Dictator. Great Dictator is probably my favorite Chaplin film, but yeah, doesn't count. Um, Chaplin also well uh, well uh, appreciated by the Criterion Collection. Yeah, I think they're all there. There's oh yeah, there's a lot of Chaplin on Criterion. Um, we don't own a single one though, surprisingly. Nope. Um, but they're they're all they're all quite funny. Uh, so yeah, so I think. People are familiar. Even if you've never seen a Chaplin film, you've kind of seen the get-up and have kind of a basic Hitler idea. mustache, <laughs> yeah. goes around, doesn't talk much. I mean, he did it before Hitler was a thing. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, the basic premise is that he's like a, a hapless vagabond who gets into a lot of, you know, fun... Uh, misadventures pieces of, pieces and, of yeah. physical comedy and, and falls in love tries easily. to do some schemes too yeah. he's kind of a little little stinker yeah so so Raj Kapoor is clearly modeling uh, this this character he has here in Tree 420 and in Awara after Chaplin but I again I wouldn't say it's a one-to-one like like played like he's not ripping Chaplin no. off I don't think he talks all the time for one yeah he won't shut up really <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it's but you can see the origins. Like you can clearly see that he's inspired by Chaplin. Yeah. Uh, so this was the highest-grossing Indian film of all time when it was released. 
And then Mother India shows up two years later and beats it. But yeah, pretty Mother, good. Mother India dethrones it two years later. Guys, I think I probably like... I don't know. I might like this better than Mother India. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a note on two of the characters. Uh, Nargis's character is named Vidya, which means knowledge. And she's a teacher. Winky, winky. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nadira's character, Maya, means illusions and trickery. Winky, winky. <laughs> Yes, I just, I mean, that, we wouldn't have, you know, we don't know Sanskrit, so we would have Wait, you don't know that. Sanskrit? <laughs> have you been lying to me this whole time? Uh, so, I, yeah, I thought it was worth pointing that out. Yeah. Uh, so, the plot is pretty straightforward. Which girl would you pick? Nargis. Oh, Maya, for sure. <laughs> what? A wasp-waisted femme fatale who leads you into a sexy game of uh, cheating people and smoking all the time? And she walks around kind of like vamping constantly. Of course. I But Nargis is so, like, she's luminous in this film. Literally, her spirit leaves her body and <laughs> sings a song about how Raju shouldn't go. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. I find her very, this might be my favorite performance I've seen of hers. I Anytime really Nadira like shows her. up, though, I'm just like, oh, Nadira's back. <laughs> okay. Where's Maya been the whole time? So Raj Kapoor is kind of a vagabond he comes to Mumbai. Well, first, he runs into uh, Nemo in his car, and it's kind of important. Do you want me to say it? Sure. Okay, so he's walking to uh, Bombay, yes. and he sings a song. This is a very important song that, uh, you know, my, pan- my shoes are from Japan, my, my pants are from uh, uh, England, my hat is from Russia, but my heart is Hindustan. Yes, his yeah. heart is Indian. And that's a one of the most famous songs in Indian cinema. Yeah, that's a very classic song uh, that we have heard before, and you know, again, like has become a symbol for Indian nationalism. It's Mera Juta Hai Japani. Yeah, uh, so he sings this song, and we're all suitably, you know, full of patriotic fervor. Mm-hmm. Then uh, on the road, this uh, rich guy, his key. He pretends to fall over so that a rich guy will come mm-hmm. and uh, sort of resuscitate and maybe give him a ride. We find out that this is the bad guy of the movie. Uh, he's sitting there with... Uh, actually, is it him? I think it is. The rich guy at the beginning? I'm not too sure. Okay. I don't know if it is that guy, actually. No, I don't think so. Because he's got like two daughters and I think he's a politician. Yeah. So, a rich guy pulls over and they have a kind of an argument. And this is where we get the... Beginning of many times in which Raju is called a 420. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you see this guy's uh, license plate actually says 840. And Raju's like, if I'm a 420, then you're an 840. You're double crooked. And this kind of is his whole thing. It's like, you know, he might pull a fast one here and there, but he's a good-hearted guy. Whereas the rich, those guys, are yes. the real 420s. Exactly. Yes, this is kind of one of the... The central themes of of the film. So he goes to Mumbai, and again, like he's he's a vagabond. He's a bum. Uh, he doesn't have a single Anna to his name. Uh, he, he tries, tries to buy bananas. two bananas <laughs> with his uh, Annas. <laughs> he tries to buy two bananas, is unable to. But he does uh, explain, or he he sort of. Hints to the banana seller, this lovely woman uh, who will, who comes up later on in the film, that uh, you know she should maybe readjust her prices. Yeah, and she's so grateful. It's kind of a who's on first type conversation. <laughs> yeah. 
She's he's, so, he's charming. She's so grateful for this that she gives him the bananas for free and says that he reminds her of her son and she, he will forever be her son from now on. Great scene. He eats one of the bananas <laughs> and then throws it on the ground. And then Nargis steps on it, falls down, and everyone yeah, laughs at and her. And that's how they meet. And, well... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she goes to the store. And then she throws it on the ground. And then, a, a, like, a fat guy falls on it. And then everyone laughs at him. Then that guy throws it. And then Raju fall, falls on it. Yeah. And it's just showing this, like, yeah, Bombay is kind of a tough town. Everyone will laugh at you if you fall down. But if the next person falls down, then you're allowed to laugh, too. And it's kind of a cycle of cruelty, mm-hmm. this, this, this city. Yeah. I would say, like, the first half of this film is just, like, it's a lot of fun and a it's lot of It's very vignettes. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It takes a while for the plot to it really It takes kick a in. literal hour before the plot kicks in. Uh, yeah. So Raj Kapoor meets Nargis. She's a school teacher. He's instantly smitten. He gets a job. Well, in- hold on. He sells his honesty medal. Like, he has come from wherever he's from. He doesn't even say. He's from Al- Alalabad, and he was an orphan. But he's come with his BA in mm-hmm. something, and his medal that he won for being honest. Yes, he's an educated man. And he pawns the medal. He might be poor, medal. but he's not uneducated. Yeah, he pawns the medal for, I think, 50 rupees, which immediately gets hustled from him by mm-hmm. some guys playing three-card Monty. But... The symbolism is very obvious. He literally sells his honesty. And Nargis is appalled by this, actually. She's just like, what kind of man would literally sell his honesty first thing upon coming to town? Mm-hmm. So he gets a job at a laundry. And through this job, he meets... After setting a whole bunch of stuff on fire. Yes, after setting a whole bunch of stuff on fire. He, may- he meets Nadira, who's playing Maya. And she kind of sucks him in to becoming a con man. And so he's, she, he's able to deal uh, cards in such a way that he can always win at yeah. some kind of game. It's like three-card poker, I guess. I'm not entirely sure what they're playing. Yeah, so he has this way of dealing cards where he can always win. Yeah, and he and goes so, and hustles some people yeah. at this club so with she, Nadira. Yeah, she kind of teams up with him um, to hustle all the rich men in town down. Uh, and then she kind of brings him on board with larger cons with Nemo. Well, Seth, uh, he he f- figures out what's going on because he challenges him. And they call him Seth, but it's Dharma Chand, I think is his last name. And then he figures out that, oh, this guy, he's only good at kind of doing the same card trick over and over again. I'm going to go meet him at the laundromat and say, you're mine now. Mm-hmm. I own you. Don't worry about Maya. We're going to run this city together. And they set him up with this company that's a Ponzi scheme, essentially selling shares in a company that's going to mine for gold in Tibet that isn't going to do anything. It's just ripping people off. Mm -hmm. So that's how he becomes a con man. And eventually he's asked essentially to con all of the common people, all of the poor people who, when he first came to the city, uh, embraced him with open arms. And talk about inflation. I mean, this is two years after Dobe Gazamin and... uh, Shambu and Dobe Gazamin can get a whole room for six annas a night, whereas Raju has to spend a, a one rupee fifty <laughs> to sleep on the on the sidewalk. Yeah, it's it's rough out there. Yeah. So I think this movie is a lot of fun. I mean, it's I will fantastic. say like it takes a while for the plot to really kick in gear. 
But I don't really know if that's, like, that's not a problem because you're having so much fun just hanging out with Raj Kapoor. Well, it's like a Chaplin movie, Mm -hmm. which typically don't really have much of a plot at all. It's just him kind of getting into various weird situations. And that's what Roger does for the first hour. And Mm -hmm. then meeting Maya and get sucked into this world of rich people and wearing a suit. Um, That's when... It starts cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the film very much sees kind of, I think, money as corrupt. Yeah. Uh, that money is the thing that, yeah, that you, you are willing to sell your honesty away for. Mm-hmm. Um, though. He does it willingly as soon as he gets there. Yeah. So it was always in him. Mm-hmm. It's more that, you know, a society that needs money will eventually corrupt everybody except for Nargis. <laughs> incorruptible although she does come to call him out at the end I don't know if she was trying to buy a house but like she she does kind of come groveling by the end of it but I don't think that she's given up her honor mm-hmm. or anything it's just she just kind of wanted to see him off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I really I, I'm surprised that you would pick Maya uh, I think Nargis is fantastic as Vidya Maya is more my type <laughs> <laughs> oh god what does that say about me I don't know. You're smoking out of a big <laughs> cigarette elongator thing and, you know, <laughs> wearing evening gowns and kind of vamping around all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dancing in a club. Yeah. There is a pretty spectacular... Two of them. Uh, yeah. Dance sequence that happens in this club. Uh, I was thinking of the, the one that happens at Diwali. Yeah. That one's really good. And then the Christmas one. Mm-hmm. But also... It reminds me of uh, oh, Bobby, mm. where there's that song about how you're going to get, you know, you're going to get married to this crazy girl and she's going to ruin your life. Whereas Maya's just like, come with me and do cons all the time and rip people off. It's the best. And in that part, she jumps on top of a dinner table, which starts spinning for some reason. And the onlookers kind of turn into a mass of just gaping maws and eyes. And it, I got real... Uh, Metropolis vibes off of mm-hmm. that, uh, just kind of decadence and uh, you know, money fever. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, this film certainly amps up the spectacle from the previous one, and it's you know as as you were saying earlier, it's far more stage bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels far more kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? Constructed. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem. I mean, it, it, I don't think it has that level of of realism that no it is not sort of that neorealist kind of almost steady cam but pre-steady cam following people Mm -hmm. around thing this is a lot of just like zooming in on people's faces and you know a cast of hundreds and it's it's very much a movie yeah and Raj Kapoor feels more like a like a character he's like an Orson Welles type director I think I could totally see them having some things in common Mm. uh it was weird, like... Og Did you see the ceiling? Og, yeah. A couple times. Og is definitely kind of an Orson Wellesy thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like an artist going crazy. But by the time you get to Maranam Joker, I don't know, it's kind of really maudlin by that point. But I could see young Raj Kapoor and Wells getting along just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like there's, there is some, some impressive and inventive filmmaking here. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in these kind of 
these kind of dance sequences. And again, it's like cool camera work, impressive (laughs) that Raj Kapoor could, you know, star direct. I don't know if he wrote the thing as well. He had a lot of roles on it. Yeah. 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 So but one of those sort of Renaissance man type guys who can. Yeah. Produced it. He didn't write it. He's not credited with the screenplay, but he did produce it. But like they could do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Someone like that. Mm-hmm. You uh, could see why he was such a big star, even though, to me, he looks like Indian Walt Disney, <laughs> right? He's got the pencil thin mustache and yeah, kind of maybe. like a genial, like uncle sort of look to him. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you say that it's full of bops. Which one is your favorite? I uh, I think the Ramaya Vastavai is my favorite, mm-hmm. but which is the... uh which is uh that is a tel that's a Telugu. Yeah. Uh, and I guess Awara did so well. The Telugu dub of Awara did so well that mm. Raj Kapoor wanted to ah, thank them always, in some way. <laughs> or just make his next movie more popular. Always thinking. Yeah, Marajuta High Japani, I mean, it's kind of like a mission statement for, like, Indian film in general. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing. The The Rain Dance song totally works. The song where Nargis is body like her soul leaves and sing this heartbreaking song for Raju great my favorite is the one with all the children where she's singing about seeds and they have to guess what it is yeah it's a riddle (laughs) and the one where he tells his story with all the the homeless people outside of Seth's house which I mean they should probably go somewhere else I could see why yeah why are they camped right outside of the home of the man who's quite of the main villain of the movie yeah the corrupt villain who wants to steal all their money with the little money that they have yeah it's they could go somewhere else even like he even calls the cops to get them to leave but they're there like the next day yeah I could see in one sense I could kind of understand why he's so uh, dismissive because they're always there in his in his backyard (laughs) Why he's so dismissive of them? Yeah, just like oh, like just keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think that's why he develops a scheme? No, he's just a horrible person. <laughs> I was just kidding. Yeah, I'm not a horrible person. Yeah. So I mean, so ultimately, like I think you already tipped your hat to kind of the themes of this film that you know, like money is the root of all evil. Yeah, money is the root of all evil. It's you know, the common man might do what he has to do to kind of get by, but it is those it is the elite it is the powerful that they are they are the corrupt ones and if the common man kind of they're the 840s and the most you could be as uh, Raj Kapoor is in 420 yeah and life is a 420 when you come down to it which is kind of a sort of cheesy line but like it's sort of right I guess well and also if the if common people like work together then they can you know build a better it has a very like utopian optimistic ending in the last 20 minutes of like (laughs) building a better society a more kind of equitable society is kind of how i read that yeah yeah it's a fun movie though it's full of a lot of good jokes it's got a lot of great songs it has like a again like the plot is (laughs) it takes a while to kick in um but that's not a problem because it's so... It's also not like a rarity in Indian cinema. No. For someone to dick around is kind of like a, a lovable goofball for a yeah. whole hour. And and it's it's so enjoyable. Like, I, mm-hmm. I really liked it. And as you said, like, it, it's, it is really impressively shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's good stuff. Uh, Criterion picked two good ones. Yeah. We liked both of these films. We would encourage people to, to seek out, if you have the Criterion channel to watch some of these Mm -hmm. 
If you haven't seen them already. Yeah. Or again, like rewatch them. Yeah. You know, the, these are beautiful restorations. This film looked great. Yeah, it did. This one looked a lot better. Yeah. All right. So with that, uh, we are done this episode. We did it. Uh, we will be back in in a week. We should have a new episode in a week. Hopefully. And uh, what's it going to be, Matt? So we were actually contacted by the people who made the TV show we liked so much, OK Computer. So we're hopefully going to be able to do a kind of deep dive with them onto sort of the influences and arguments that that show is making and kind of its, its place in the sci-fi landscape. So I'm looking forward to that. So that should be out in a week. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? At Bollywood Pod. Uh, Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for Lovers. Tumblr.com slash Bollywood is for Lovers. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so. I think something like that. Just look it up on Tumblr. You'll find yeah. it. Um, leave us a review. Star rating would be nice. Uh, Apple Podcasts. Okay, so right now, Apple Podcasts is kind of screwed up, mm-hmm. and it might take a while for this episode to appear there. They did some upgrade of their system and now it's like chaos in Mm. apple so if you want to leave a review somewhere else just let us know but yeah you can't count on apple right now Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't really count on them ever it's their bad company and while you're leaving that review you can subscribe to my other show that i do with paul matwichuk called trash around the movies we just put out an episode on mystic pizza and mystic river (laughs) They have a lot in common, don't they? So much in common. So, so much yeah. in common. I mean, three childhood friends. You killed my daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is that. We're done. Yep. Uh, keep it 420.